Have you ever waited for something with great anticipation, just looking forward to something for a really long time? Well, this morning we're going to look at a story from John chapter 5 about a man who waited on something for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years is a long time to wait for something. And you don't have to be old or young to think that 38 years is a long time. I know for some of these children up here singing this morning, 38 years just seems an eternity. I mean, just waiting until lunch sometimes feels like forever for them. But 38 years. And we're going to learn this morning some important things, I think, that will help us in our own lives when we are in places of waiting, but also making sure we're waiting for the right kinds of things and looking for the right kinds of things. Because the story that we're going to read about this morning is a man who was waiting on something for 38 years. But it's interesting to me because while this man got help and he was healed, and Freddie read about that just a few moments ago, if you paid attention to what he was reading in the story there, there were a whole lot of other people in that story that are still waiting, that were still waiting that didn't get any help that day. This message, I believe, this morning is extremely important for all of us, but especially for those who don't know the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if you don't have a personal relationship with Him this morning, this message is very important for you. The Bible tells us there in John chapter 5 and verse 1, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. This morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture together, I want you to notice with me the different people that are talked about in this story. There were some general crowds that were mentioned. Back in verse 1, it says that there was a feast in Jerusalem. There was a large celebration going on. And at that feast, there would have been lots of Jews there celebrating one of the many feasts that happened in the Jewish calendar. They were celebrating this. They would celebrate these things every year. And they had a number of feasts that they celebrated every year. So there was always another feast coming. 
But at this time, we read about these people who are going to celebrate this feast. This feast is going on. And so imagine with me, if you will, there's a, a large party, a large celebration that's taking place. Many people are there. And while that's going on, though, there's a whole other group of people. There's a bunch of people that had a serious problem. There were these people there laying next to this pool. And they were hoping, they were waiting for a miracle. They were sick. The Bible says they were halt. They were blind. They were withered. Some were perhaps paralyzed. Some were lame. Some, some could not see. And they're waiting next to this pool, hoping for some kind of miracle. They believed that when the water was troubled, that that meant it was stirred up. There were waves made in the water. Something happened to cause the water to move. That whoever would get into the water first would be healed. You have these two groups of people. And I think these groups of people might represent groups of people that we have in our world today. There's the group of people that were at the party, that were at the festival, that were at the celebration, that were there for the feast. There are a lot of people today going about their lives, enjoying their lives, going through and doing things and, and having a great time. You know, if you think about it, though, the Bible tells us that all of us have a problem, right? We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Those people that day had a problem, but they didn't know it. They thought they were okay. They were enjoying themselves, right? But the second group of people was a the people there next to the pool waiting for a miracle, these were people that didn't think they were okay. They knew they had a problem. But they didn't have any help. They were waiting, hoping by chance that the water might move and that by chance they would be the first person to jump in the water and beat all the other people out so that they could somehow be healed. In our world today, there are many people going around that think that they're okay, right? They, they think they've got it together. They, they've got life. They're headed. They're going in a direction. They think they're doing just fine. I think it's interesting to note, though, that Jesus wasn't hanging out with that crowd. Jesus could have been up there at the feast. I mean, that's where probably the people whose lives were a little bit more normal were at. They had it together. Probably the wealthy people of the city would have been at that feast. The, the political leaders would have been at that feast. The influencers, the movers and shakers, if you will, would have been at that feast. That's where those people would be. And yet Jesus chose to leave that feast and go down to the people that had a problem. Aren't you thankful that Jesus goes to those that have needs this is how Jesus always lived as we read about his ministry in the Gospels. We read about how Jesus went to the hurting. He went to the sick. He even went to the tax collectors because they knew they had a problem. Jesus goes after those who have needs. I'm thankful even today as we celebrate a Mother's Day. That's what a, a mother often is known for. She is meeting the needs of her children and of her families and, and caring for the people around her. A mother will often put aside her own wants and her own needs and her own comforts to take care of somebody else. But this is what Jesus was doing this day. He left the feast. He went down to the place where all of the sick people were, the people that had a serious problem, the people that had a need. So we notice the people. 
the people that think they're okay, and then this multitude of people that had a problem, but they didn't have any answers. Maybe that's you this morning. You say, I've got a big problem in my life, and I'm waiting for a miracle. I'm waiting for some kind of answer. I'm waiting to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So we notice the people, but then the passage focuses in on one specific person. Let's spend a few minutes talking about the patient. Right? We had one specific person, this patient that Jesus goes to and He speaks to. This is a man that Jesus speaks to about his problem. We notice some things about him. He's been sick for 38 years. Now, we've all heard the saying, time right, flies when you're having fun. Right? It goes by quickly when life is good and things are happening. It's great. But you know as well as I do, when things are bad and things are difficult and you don't feel good or you're sick or life is hard or you're discouraged, what happens to time? It seems to stand still, doesn't it? And every second seems like it just takes forever. And waiting for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. That's this man. He spent 38 years with his sickness. He didn't have the strength to get up and move himself. He's waited a long time. 38 years. He, he's been lonely. When he speaks to Jesus, he says, I have no man to help me. He's lonely. Isn't that what happens sometimes when you're going through a difficult time? It seems like it's a lonely time. People have a hard time being around other people who are struggling. It's our natural tendency, I think, to want to be around people that are, are, are happy and things are going well and life is good because it makes us feel good to be around them. And yet Jesus wasn't around those people. Jesus went to those who were hurting, to those who had needs, to those who were struggling. This man is a lonely man. He was a withered man. He's paralyzed. He can't move. No strength. Think about how much time had gone by with him sitting, waiting, hoping that the water would move and hoping that he could somehow get down there first. What a pitiful life that would be. He's hoping, probably had days where he thought, maybe today's the day, and then other days he just despaired. There's no hope for me at all. Some days, maybe he came up with a plan of, of how maybe he could somehow have a friend come and sit with him on a spe special day that maybe that day the water moved, but the next day the friend left him. I, I don't know what his story was exactly, but he just said, I've got nobody. Nobody. When the water's moved, nobody to put me in the pool. This is a lonely man. But you know, I believe this was also a man who was trusting in the wrong thing. He was waiting for a miracle to happen, but his trust was in the wrong place. His trust was in the chance that an angel, which... We don't even know for sure if this really occurred or not. This could have just been a superstitious belief that the people had that some angel was going to trouble the water and that he just might by chance get down in there first. He was trusting in the wrong thing. Think about it. He wasn't the only one that was trusting in the wrong thing, though, was he? All those people at the pool that day, they were looking for hope and they were 
clinging to the tiniest little sliver of a chance that maybe, just maybe, some angel was going to move the water and maybe, just maybe, they were going to be the first one in. That's a really small chance. But you know, folks, there are people today with great problems that are clinging to tiny little slivers of hope in things that honestly, from the outside looking in, don't even make sense. And yet they've tried to find something to give their life purpose, to give themselves hope, to give them meaning, to give them something to look forward to. This man was trusting in the wrong thing. And I believe also this man misunderstood the grace of God. You say, why? Because when Jesus comes to him and asks him if he wants to be made whole, he answers and he says, but I've got nobody to put me in the water. See, his hope for healing was in something that was maybe just a superstition. See, God's grace isn't a grace that just kind of picks and chooses and excludes people. God is offering his mercy to all who will receive it. See, this way of looking at it was like, well, maybe if I'm the lucky one, I'll get healed and everybody else. But that's not how grace works. God offers it to all. This patient, he's in a very bad place. But he realized he had a problem, didn't he? But he didn't have the answer. So, we can think about the people, right? The multitude up at the festival, at the feast, the Many multitudes of people that are down there that need to be healed, that don't have an answer, that are trusting in the wrong things. But the third person that we want to look at this morning is the great physician. Because he's the one that brought the difference, wasn't he? He's the one that made the difference in this man's life. See, Jesus removes himself from the feast. He comes down to the place where the sick people are, where the people have needs. And Jesus then, as he's walking around, he sees one man and he goes to this man and he begins to speak to him. And I think it's interesting when you look back at the passage, the Bible says there in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case. See, Jesus knows, doesn't he? The man didn't have to tell him how long he'd been there. Jesus knew. And folks, Jesus knows your need too. He knows your problem. He knows your struggle. He knows what you're missing in your life. Jesus knows. And that's a great comfort to me. Just the fact that He knows. I mean, think about it. All of us go through life, right? We pass people from day to day when we're at the grocery store or at work or going to the bank or going to wherever we're going. And nobody else knows what's really going on inside, do they? But Jesus knows. You're sitting here this morning. And I know some of you, but I don't really know you like Jesus knows you. I I may know some things about you. I know what you look like this morning. I may know your name. I may know your address, may know where you live. I may know some people in your family. I, I may know some of the struggles that you've been through, even this week. But I don't really know you like Jesus knows you. Because Jesus is God. And he knows everything about you. Jesus knew this man. I'm so thankful for the omniscience, the all-knowing God that we serve. 
He knows everything. And I don't care what it is that you're struggling with this morning. It's not outside of God's knowledge. He knows about it. You could have the biggest problem in the world this morning. God knows about it. You could have something so small and secret that you're not even quite sure what it is yourself, but God knows about it. He knows. He knows. We can take great comfort in the knowledge of God that He knows our need. But aren't you thankful that God does more than just knowing our problem? He also cares. See, God knew this man's problem. He knew all the problems of all the people that were there that morning. But God went to that man. Jesus went to that man, God in human flesh, and He spoke to that man and He said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be well? See, He knows, but He also cares. I mean... Aren't you thankful for somebody that will call you on the phone and ask you how you're doing, right? It's one thing just to know somebody has a problem. It's another thing to ask them how they're doing, to ask them if there's something you can do to help them. I'm so thankful for people in our church that try to minister one to another. And you know what? We're a church. We're just people. We're doing the best we can. We're going to try to help as many people as we can, but there will be people we'll miss from time to time. And you can help us if you have a need. Let us know your need so we can do our best to meet it. But I'm thankful for people that are looking out for needs in other people and trying to meet those needs in the lives of other people. Even this week, we had a family that flew in last Saturday to go to uh, come down to Houston for treatments at MD Anderson. This man is a pastor from North Carolina. His wife and his daughter flew down with him. If you were here last Sunday night, you saw him. He's a very sick man. Needs help. And God provided through our church to give him a place to stay last weekend and a vehicle to drive. That's a blessing. But you know, God continued to provide for that family this week. On, on Monday, I think it was, they got a call. Someone had paid for them to have five weeks of stay at an at a extended stay suite right around the corner from the hospital. What a blessing. And then, you know, this week, as Larry and I were talking with him, they mentioned, they said, you know, it'd be nice if he had something comfortable to sit on. Because in the hotel, all they've got is a, a bed or a hardback chair. And if you've been really sick, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel good to lay flat. And it definitely doesn't feel good to sit up straight sometimes. He said, what if we had a recliner? See, he'd stay in the trailer here. They had nice recliners. But they didn't have that in the hotel room. And so Wednesday night in our church, I shared out the need. I said, there's somebody that needs to borrow a recliner. And somebody after church came up and said, Pastor, they can borrow ours. And yesterday, some of our men got together and went up to their house and loaded up that recliner and took it down to the hospital or to the, to the uh, hotel room so that this man can have a comfortable place to sit. See, it's one thing to know about a problem, right? It's another thing to care about it, to try to do something about it, to ask about it. And I'm so thankful for people in our church who call other people. They care about them to ask about their problem. But folks, we're just human beings. Jesus cares far greater than I could ever care, than anybody could care. Jesus knows the very 
intimate details of everything that you're going through this morning. And Jesus cares about those things. And he's asking you this morning, just like he was asking this man that day, will you be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to have hope in the Lord? There's so many people this morning that are looking at other things for hope. Their eyes are fixed on some little thing that they think might work out and that's going to bring them the answers that they need. And they're missing out the fact that God cares for them and He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die in their place so that they could have hope, they could have healing, they could have purpose, they could have new life in Christ. Will you be made whole? That's what Jesus asked. See, Jesus knows. Jesus cares. But Jesus also acts, doesn't he? He does something. He goes to this man. He asks him this question. Sir, wilt thou be made whole? Instead of answering the question, yes, I want to be healed. I want to be made whole. The man instead responds and he says, well, I just don't have anybody to help me. Nobody to put me down in the water. Nobody to get me there when the water is troubled. Maybe that's the way you feel this morning. Jesus is offering to you His forgiveness. Jesus is offering to you hope. Jesus is offering to you answers from His Word. And you kind of go, well, yeah, thank you, but uh, I don't have anybody to help me with this problem over here. Jesus is offering help. But Jesus, even though this man, even though his answer wasn't an answer of great faith, even though this man didn't say, okay, Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Jesus still had compassion on this man and he looked down at him and he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And this is where I believe we see the faith of this man, even in the tiniest form, because the man took his eyes off the pool and he got up. And he walked. See, Jesus acted. He spoke to the man. And when he spoke, the man had the strength to get up. I have no idea what that would feel like. To be laying in one place for 38 years, not able to get up, not able to move. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, be able to have the strength to stand up and walk. Can you imagine I don't know if he stood up a little unsteady, but it sounds like he had full strength and full ability. You know why? Because the Bible says he stood up, he rolled up his bed, and he walked. You see, when Jesus does a work in the life of an individual, there is change. It's instantaneous. It happens in a moment. A lot of people put their hope in something that might come to pass over a long period of time and I have to wait for things to be just right. But no, when Jesus heals you, you're healed. When Jesus forgives you, you're forgiven. And you can hope in Him today. See, this man, he didn't understand everything that Jesus was doing, but Jesus knew his problem. Jesus cared about his problem. And Jesus acted upon his problem. See, when Jesus comes to do a work, he's not getting ready to do something. He's not pulling things together and preparing stuff. With Jesus, the work is already done. The Bible says that God is eternal. He's past, 
present, and future all at the same time. So when things seem to be taking a long time to happen, it's not taking a long time to happen for God. Because with God, it's already happened. And when it comes to forgiveness of sin, Jesus has already died on the cross. Your sins are already forgiven if you'll but put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to say, well, okay, now that you believed in me, now I'm going to get busy and go forgive your sins. No, your sins are forgiven. But you must believe. I'm so thankful that when we come to Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, okay, that's good. Now hold on, let me, let me take care of some things and then we'll fix it. No. Jesus is ready to forgive you right now. He's ready to fix your problem right now. But you have to look to Him for hope, for forgiveness, for answers. Don't be like these people at the pool that day who were sitting there with their eyes fixed on the pool and they didn't see Jesus. They didn't know that there was an answer. Jesus acts. There's no person that's too big for God to handle. There's no problem that He can't solve. There's no situation that He can't fix. There's no pain too great for Him to comfort. He's God. He has all power. He has all knowledge. He is always good. He loves us with such a deep love, an abiding love that He would send His own Son to die on the cross in our place. Folks, this week as I was studying through this, I normally sit very quiet in my study and don't say or do much. But I got so excited thinking about this next point that I had to get up and I was pacing around <laughs> in my office and looking foolish because I was so excited about this thought. Think about this with me. What was wrong with all the other people at the pool that day when a guy who's been laying there for 38 years is healed, he gets up and walks, and the rest of the people didn't even seem to respond? Why wasn't there a great healing at the pool that day of all those other people? The Bible doesn't say specifically, but we know how fixated this man was on the pool. I think perhaps all these other people were so busy staring at the pool because they didn't want to miss it if it moved, that they missed the fact that a man who'd been laying there for 38 years had just been healed, picked up his bed, and walked away. Because a man came to him and said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Do you think it's possible that we often miss what God is trying to tell us in His Word? Do you think it's possible that we miss out when God is speaking to us in our difficult situation, through the struggles that we face, because we're so focused and so busy and so distracted by the thing that we think is going to make us happy and bring us hope and bring us healing and make us whole, I think that's absolutely possible that we can. And it's not because God doesn't care. It's not because God doesn't know. It's not because God hasn't already acted on our behalf. Because we're so busy doing our own thing and distracted, we miss out on the answers that God has from us. There are people this morning who will drive by a church where the gospel's being preached and go on about their business and not think twice about it. Why? Because life's okay. I don't have any problems. There are people this morning who will sit in church and know that they have a problem, 
but they're too busy thinking about their problem and not looking to God for the answers for that problem, and they'll miss out on the answers because they're not willing to listen to the one who has the answers and the one who has hope. Like I said, the Bible doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the other people at the pool that day. But I was just sitting there this week and I was thinking about them. What happened to those people? That man got up, he was healed, he left, and the rest of them just still sitting there, waiting for the water to move. I would hate that to be you this morning. That you miss the message of God's word that you miss the answers of hope in Jesus Christ because you're so focused on something else and, well, maybe that'll work out for me. God's offering you a free gift. He's offered salvation to all, which means He's offered to forgive you of every sin. He wants you to be made whole. As I was reading through this passage, that word whole jumped out at me because it's mentioned three times in these nine verses. It's mentioned the first time as the people there are waiting for the water to move because the first person to get in the water, they said, would be made whole. Jesus used that word in his question to the man. Wilt thou be made whole? And then it's used a third time at the end of the passage as the man is healed as he gets up and walks. The Bible says he was made whole. See, all of us this morning are broken when it comes to our spiritual selves. We are not whole without Christ. But if you will trust in Christ and what He's done for you, instead of trusting in your own ability, your own wisdom to figure something out, trust in what God has done for you, you can be made whole. You say, I don't think that's possible. It is with God. You say, I don't think I deserve it. You're right, you don't. This man didn't either. Why Jesus come talk to him out of all those people? Because he loved him. Loved all those other people too. But Jesus speaks to us and he says, do you want to be made whole? And that's my question for you this morning. Do you want to be made whole? Do you even know that you're not whole? Or do you think you're okay? Maybe you're still up at the feast right now, right? Life's good. I, I don't have any problems. But maybe you've moved past that. You're down by the pool you know you have a problem, but you're just not sure how to fix it. Jesus wants to say to you, do you want to be made whole? If you do, Jesus can make you whole. See, I think there are also those people that want to be made whole, right? They, they want to have a pro something fixed. They, all those people at the pool, they wanted to be made whole, but then they were trying to do it in their own strength, right? Well, let me get in the pool first. Let me, let me do it this way. This is, this is my experience, right? We live according to our experience and our feelings. And Jesus is saying, no, obey my word. Jesus said to the man, rise, get up, and walk. The man, I'm thankful, didn't say to Jesus, well, Jesus, I've never heard of anybody else coming in here and telling people to get up and walk, and they just got up and walked. So I'd prefer to wait on the pool. No, he didn't say that. I'm thankful he didn't. He just got up and walked. See, when it comes to following God, it is a walk of faith. And it may not always make sense to you or be clear how you're supposed to do it, but if you'll obey what God's Word says, God will put you right where He wants you to be, right in the way that He wants you to be, and right in the time that He wants you to be there. 
But you have to have faith to take the step to follow Him and obey His Word. See, if the man had laid there that day and said, no, I, I'm going to wait on the pool, he'd still be waiting by the pool. But no, he got up and he walked. And I believe God's call to all of us this morning is the same. Will you be made whole? And, and you may say, yes, I, I want to be, but, you know, I, I'm trusting, trusting in the fact that I had a good mother. That's good. But you need to take your eyes off your mother and put them on Jesus. Your mother may have been a wonderful person, but she's not God. Well, I, I want to be made whole, but I've just got to wait. I've got to fix some other things first, and, and then I'll be able to ma be made whole. Later, later. need to wait. Folks, the answer is not in waiting till later. What if this man had said, well, thank you, Jesus. I, I'll remember that, that you, that you have the power to heal me, but I'll co come back to me later because there, there's a few more things I need to do here first. What could be more important than being made whole? Well, I got some issues to straighten out. I got to try to work on some strength, you know. He didn't say any of that, right? He's not laying there going, well, I gotta do, well I've been doing some little internal exercises trying to get some strength up. So Jesus, when you come back, then I'm going to get up. No, the man, the man wasn't whole. He was broken. He's paralyzed. Folks, there's nothing that you can do to somehow get yourself ready. There's no time better than right now to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you want to be whole? This man was broken and he was made whole. This man got the answers that he needed. All the other people at the pool that day, they didn't. So how are we going to deal with these things in our lives? First of all, we need to deal with the problem of sin, right? The Bible says we've all sinned. To deal with sin means, first of all, you need to recognize that you have a problem, right? That there is something going on that you have done wrong, that you have broken God's law. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Dealing with sin means answering the question that Jesus posed to the man in the story. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? And then dealing with sin means trusting in Jesus' forgiveness of sin, not in anything or anyone else. That's how to deal with the sin problem. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ to be made whole from your sin problem, don't wait don't try to do it in your own strength. Don't wait for some wiggle of the water someplace else to somehow give you, oh, now I can do it. Put your trust in the Word of God. And He'll make you whole. Maybe you're here this morning, though, and you say, my sins have been forgiven. I know for a fact I'm on my way to heaven. My trust is in Jesus Christ. But I have some other things, some other problems. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a disappointment, a discouragement, something you've been waiting on, something that hasn't worked out like you expected it to work out, and, and you've got some problems this morning of your own. 
Yes, your eternal destination is settled. You know your sins have been forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. But this morning, you're struggling with some other things. Folks, I want you to know God has the answers. The reality is, though, sometimes we don't like the answers that he has. They don't always work according to our will. That's why some of my favorite verses in the Bible are found in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. See, you understand some things. I understand some things. But there's a whole lot we don't understand. And we like to rest in our own understanding. And the reality is, folks, the older we get, the more we like to rest in our own ability to understand and to figure things out. But God says it very clearly in His Word. Don't lean on your own understanding. But He says, in all thy ways, acknowledge Him. Say, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, I'll follow you, I'll obey you. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. And He, here's the promise, shall direct thy paths. He will direct you. He'll put you right where He wants you to be. Right at the right time in the right place. See, we misunderstand God's plan for our lives. We think God's plan for my life ought to look the same as God's plan for a lot of other people's lives. But you're unique. You're an individual. The people you know, the talents you have are different than anybody else in the whole world. And God has a very special plan for you to accomplish that's different than anybody else. And so when your life looks a little different or you're not supplied quite the way everybody else is supplied or you have feelings that maybe you think I'm struggling with and why doesn't everybody else seem to struggle with those other things or you're lacking in some area that someone else seems to have a lot in. Listen, God has you. If you're obeying him, he has you right where he wants you. And he's going to put you right in the place to accomplish the purpose that he has for your life. And when you get your eyes off of your problems and off of your circumstances and off of the struggle around you and off of everybody else and how they seem to have it together and why, what's my problem? And you get your eyes on the Lord and say, God, I'm trusting you. If it's being in the hospital right now that you want for me, I'll be faithful in the hospital. I'm thinking there's, there's a friend of ours, an evangelist friend of ours, Tom Farrell, his wife is going through some very intense cancer treatments. Just this past week, she had a bone marrow transplant. And it was interesting because my friend shared on Facebook, he said, the nurses came in and they said, all right, it's your second birthday. You know why they called it her second birthday? Because it was the day she had her bone marrow transplant. So it's like you're, you're a new person. And you know what she said to the nurses? She said, no, actually, it's my third birthday. What? Your third birthday. My second birthday was when I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he made me into a new creature. Old things were passed away. And behold, all things have become new. She said, no, this is my third birthday. You know, I don't know all of God's purpose for putting Mrs. Regina Farrell in the hospital. But I do know this. Some nurses got to hear the gospel. And God has a purpose in everything that he does. And see, 
Sometimes we want Jesus in our physical lives and in our financial lives and in our relationships and in the things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. We want something to happen to us like happened to that impotent man that day where Jesus just comes along and says, rise, take up your bed and walk and everything's fixed and it's all over. See, that's what he does for our spiritual selves when he forgives us of our sin. But sometimes his plan for us in our physical day-to-day lives involves going through some difficulty but he's right there with you. Psalm 23 says it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, the difficulty that you're facing, if you're being obedient to God, it's he's got you right where he wants you to be and he's working out his will in your life. And it's doing exactly what he wants it to do. Now, if you're living in disobedience and you're facing difficulty, he's got you right where he wants you and he's trying to bring you back to himself through that as well, perhaps. I think there's so much that we can learn from this man this morning. But as we close, I want to ask this question again. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be healed? If you're broken this morning if you know that you're a sinner and you've never truly had forgiveness from that, won't you accept Christ's offer of salvation today? Don't wait. There's no need to wait. There's nothing that you can do to somehow get yourself ready other than just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Trust His Word. And if you're here this morning and you've got some struggle, some hurt this morning, and you're not sure where to go for answers, I want you to know that God has the answers. Your friends may not have the answers. There may not be any other book besides the Word of God that has the answers. But would you put your trust in Him and say, God, you know I'm struggling, but I want you to help me. I want to be whole. I need help. Would you give me direction? God, would you give me purpose? And Lord, as I'm living for you, Even if I don't understand all that's going on in my life, God, I'm going to trust you to take you where you want me to be. And I'll be faithful. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, cry out to Him. Father, forgive me for my sin. I want to be your child. I want to live for you. I want to be made whole. And he'll do it because he's already done the work.